Good morning and a happy Thursday to you folks. It is a beautiful, gorgeous day outside, and the word of the day is integrity. If you're a person of leadership, whether it's at the office, at your house, or maybe it's on your Sims family, you know that vision and passion are important, but trust is the key to inspiration. It is the key to integrity. Your employees, your family, and your friends must believe in your integrity and see it played out in your decision-making, in your customer service, and your humane treatment of your family, friends, and employees. They must believe in you. People look up to people who tell the truth, who demonstrate action to do the right thing, even when it fails. Now, folks, it's Thirsty Thursday, and I don't know about you, but I want to get this party started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Jason Spees, that is Sterling. I need to turn up my volume a little bit. There we go. We're back on it, folks. It is Thursday today, Thirsty Thursday. We are just one more day away till we get to the weekend. It's almost over, man. It's supposed to be like 60 degrees here Woo! in the Fargo-Moorhead area in the North Dakota. North Dakota. New Dakota, as you like to call it, me. New Dakota, man. Straight old Dakota. <laughs> Back in the 90s. North Florida. North Florida. <laughs> That's what somebody actually tried to get the state called North back in the Florida. 90s, North Florida, because our tourism was so bad back in the day. Now, of course, with the Bakken, Bakken, the Bakken. Bacon, mm-hmm. that was always my favorite, the different pronunciations of the Bakken. Yeah. Still happens, by the way. Oh, absolutely. The I sex think. appeal's gone, man. $100 oil <laughs> went away, and now the Bakken is just, what is that? What is that? You know? Yeah, as every you know, it was funny as little when I moved here over a decade ago, it was like all of a sudden North Dakota was in the news all the time. Now they seem to have forgotten about us. And then, you know, Steve Bach and Mayor Steve Bach and a Bismarck. Bismarck. He just keeps the name rolling along. Yeah. Of course, with the industrial forest, he's gonna make news very soon. Yeah, it's awesome. He's the Already first talked one. to a reporter last week. All right. Yep, they want the exclusive. I said, whenever you're ready, you go okay. right ahead. He said, well, yeah. So we're going to be planting some trees this spring, hopefully? Oh, absolutely. No, not in the spring, the fall. Fall. Oh, fall duh. is a better That's time. That's a better time. It's a better time. Okay, and and some places are a little different, mm-hmm. but for what we're doing, fall. Yeah, up okay. here, you, you have to be a little careful about when you put your tree in the ground. I'll be heading down to Midland, Texas next week to go to the Permian Basin Association of pipeliners. Pipelines. They're going to be uh, doing a cook-off. Nice barbecue. I'll be a part of that. VIP as well tents. as meeting with some dignitaries and possibly a few oil and gas companies, service companies, to talk about the industrial forest. I imagine the crude life will come up as well. I was going to say, you're going to do maybe a little... Uh you know, non-conventional interviews? Probably do a three-for-one. Okay. You know, a three-for-one, as in crude life, industrial forest. Are we getting drinks? <laughs> now, drinks can be coffee. Yeah, sure. Drinks can be bottled water. Right. Drinks can be shots of tequila. I like where you're going with it this. Can be a, it can be a number <laughs> of different things. We don't judge here at the crude life, especially no. during the play hard portion. The, 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 yeah, the play hard portion, the work hard portion, eh, 
Yeah, we do Whatever. a pretty good job of mixing the two. I know we do. By the way, folks, who we got coming up today? We've got a really good show today. We've got Lauren Gura coming. G U. E R R A. I, I uh, apologize if I mispronounced that last name. So she'll be coming up a little bit later in the program. In fact, she's our next segment, so we'll ask her how to pronounce her last name. And uh, she's with the San Antonio Pipeliners. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're moving right down nice. the pipeline. She's going straight south. And also, uh, women in business. Of mm-hmm. course, we want to highlight, we want to honor, we want to feature and celebrate. Women's History Month, all month long. And a lot of amazing women that we've been talking to. Yeah, too. in fact, I did a feature for the Oil Man magazine. And I want to say the Bismarck Tribune back in 2014 and 15, Women in Oil and Gas. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, at the Crude Life, we've been, of course, tracking it for a long time, trying to. My background's magazine, so it kind of, you know, was second nature right, for me yeah. to bring in this sort of content calendar if you will right out of the gate so we'll be doing that mick hager michaela hager will be joining us with canine pipe inspections also with chewy paws Chewy paws. so she's got you know she's not only a woman in business she's an entrepreneur who's not afraid to sleep in the back of her truck with her dogs yeah it sounds like a great life i can't wait to talk to her and she i think she's got some bees too i know she did in the past yeah, bees, yeah, it's man. kind of on the side they got aggressive one year <laughs> the bees did yeah, the bees got i aggressive. saw that movie dude i asked her I go, how's your bees going they got aggressive, they got aggressive. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> by the way i don't keep bees or sharks you, you know life's just kind of sending you a message when your bees turn on yeah you. if your bees are aggressive man Oh, by the way, Chewy Paws, thank you very much for being a sponsor this week, as well as the Bakken Barbecue, the co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue, the modern-day leaders known as Tiffany Steiner and Jackie Jenkin will join us, I believe, on Friday. More amazing women in the oil and gas community. And what's this, what, nine years now? Ninth year, the Bakken Barbecue. We raised 80000 last year, 100 year the year before. That was for the Make-A-Wish? Make-A-Wish. Yeah. Uh, and we bel- we thought last year, we, we weren't sure. I mean, pff, events getting canceled left and right, COVID, this and that. and So anyway, we, we said we're doing it. Yeah, it was and one of the big events that still stuck around. Yeah, you're damn right it was, and $80,000 raised. Nice. So it was. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad we at. did it. Well, yeah, I mean... That's the other thing too. That's eighty thousand dollars off the taxpayers, because mm-hmm. you know those nonprofits are probably going to turn around and try to get money from the government in the last year, right? Well, yeah. Anytime you donate money, you're just—it's just another tax. You're just making the choice on that tax. Well, you got to you know? get the cycle going. Mm-hmm. You, you got to get it going because if you're just going to stand or sit, the life's going to move on without you. It's funny though, you know. You think about oh. it, wherever it comes from. It's all our money. I want to sing more than six notes of that. (laughs) I'm just a gigolo and everywhere I go. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. Life goes on without you. (laughs) Okay, now you're going to be. Oh, see, that's like like $3,000. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm just waiting waiting for the lawyers to start calling in. You know that's happened, by the way. Really? Yeah. For singing? uh, Singing and also for images. What about humming, I wonder? I'm not sure on that. We'll have to check on humming. But I do know that if you do play a song, Mm -hmm. you can get dinged for it. And if you have an image, you can get dinged for it too. So I've had some interns that have gotten me in trouble. Well, see, we're lucky we've got really good music that is royalty free. Moody River Band, baby. Moody River. 
Yeah, freerockandroll.net. <laughs> it's right in the website. It's, oh, yeah, they give away their It doesn't get more. Yeah, man, it. that's like a brilliant form of advertising. Well, they figured it out a long time ago that Napster, you know, is, it was mm-hmm. the wave of the future in some format, right? Yep. Now I think it's 99 cents a song is what everybody settled on. But for a while, it was just a free download, yeah. you know? I remember the Wild West I listened West, to Rock Audio the Casbah this morning. I pulled it up on YouTube. Right, yeah. So I didn't pay a dime for it. Well, I suppose whatever my internet service is, but yeah. outside of that... You know, um, we're living in the golden age of music. They figured out because they're like a nine piece band, mm-hmm. the horns and the whole deal. Hire us for your live event. That's how we're going to make our money. Yeah. Six times a year. You know what I mean? We're a bunch of guys working full time. I was going to say they have jobs. Oh, they got yeah. families. They, yeah. But they gave up on the dream a long time ago, man. They got beaten <laughs> well, down nah, by the man. This a long is the more practical ago. dream. You make money on your gig, you move on to the next, right? That's what I used to tell people all the time is that, listen, most people have a side job. Most people have a hobby. If you can combine the two together, no, that's, th- gold. Th- that's good, that's, right? Yeah, that's gold. Now, the danger is, is that your hobby then becomes your job and then you kind of ruin them both. Yeah. Okay. But if you really, truly love what you do, your hobby can become your job. Yeah. I mean, you can go from part-time job to full-time because if you're okay with slumming it, you know, and slinging it and shoestringing it for a few years. Yeah. I mean, if it's your passion, it's yeah. worth it. Yeah. And, and you know, this being an entrepreneur, there's times where it's three, four years of really difficult, and then the springboard just happens. Boom, you take off. Yeah, and sometimes you don't even know what you did different. You know, if it's just you, timing. You, a lot of times it is, it's just a shotgun approach. You spray well, a bunch of stuff out and hope something sticks. Take like Ted Turner, you know, one of the wealthiest businessmen in America, right? Mm-hmm. His whole success, now, not his whole success, but a big portion of his success is based on timing and he's very upfront about it okay in his memoirs and everything to where he inherited like a uhf you ever see uhf with weird al yeah i was wondering where ted turner's money came from so before he his uncle either gave him in a will or he got it for a nickel so you know like type a, a, thing a network it was like a local uhf type of a network okay. yeah it was yeah. you know here in here in the Fargo public Moorhead access area, type of deal. No, it was like the you know Fox News. Okay, gotcha. You know, yeah. you you total local base. Right. Yeah. You had maybe two percent of the market share mm-hmm. type of thing, but but you were you a were a lot there, of homemade commercials. But you and, had the opportunity. Yeah. You know, you had the opportunity. You just didn't have the the size and the budget and NBC behind you and et cetera. So two things happened. Number one, you had. Uh, I believe it was T. It was MGM. MGM was going bankrupt, mm-hmm. and they were having a fire sale on the rights to the movies. Oh, the Turner Classic, Turner stuff, Classic right? movies. Yeah. yeah. So he bought. He either took out a loan or did whatever, but he leveraged to get the rights to all these old movies because mm-hmm. he thought, well, I'd rather play these old movies on my crappy television station than whatever the heck else I got going, right? Well, at that time, cable was rising. Mm -hmm. So he was able to go and leverage the movies and with the rise of cable, and that is really what built his empire. Yeah. Yeah. So without cable taking off and being as accessible as it was, Mm -hmm. and without that fire sale happening, 
Turner would never have gotten to where he's at. Never had a CNN probably no. after that. And there's a guy on YouTube, uh, not YouTube, but uh, LinkedIn, Gary Vandercheck. He's a guy that drops F-bombs and tells people off. He's fantastic. I watched <laughs> him. He's Oh, he's absolutely fantastic. So um, a friend of mine bought me tickets to it and said, you got to go see this guy. You'll love him. Oh, so you saw him live? Yeah, and he does a VIP. And then he did this uh, live event afterwards where he goes up on stage. And... Um, it's the audience is a little nauseating. It's a little nauseating. Okay, it's it's that um, yeah, brosif man, we got it. Woohoo! You know, <laughs> slapping each other's hands and fuck yeah, man. Woo! Such so a know? fraternity party. It's yeah, but it's it's who can be a bigger brosif than the other brosif. Okay, and so it's really nauseating. Yeah, okay? that's totally because, not my scene, right? Man. Because the older people try to do it. <laughs> and now, so see, that's fun to watch. So sometimes. It, it's like watching a 45 year old woman on the dance floor with the 20 some year olds. Getting it's hip. just not a pro. It's like watching, you know, a 25 year old wear his dad's suit. It right. just doesn't just something's just something's not working just there. Not there. Yeah. But he was fantastic because he was calling all that out. Mm-hmm. And so, in fact, when he got up on stage, so not the VIP thing, but the actual stage, he led off the event instead of headlining it. Okay. And he gets up there and he says, hey, man, I know, uh, you know many of you were expecting me to be headlining, being the main event, but I wanted to cancel this. I tried to cancel as of this morning. Uh, I do not want to be here. I had a prior engagement, but my manager booked this a year ago. I couldn't get out of it. So as soon as I get done here, I am literally going to the airport and going home. Wow. So how are you doing tonight? Yeah, how's you know? it going? And then he ended the show with basically saying... I love that honesty. All of you here are going to go brag to your friends that I was here. You're going to put all over social media that you're going to go light the world on fire and you're going to be the best business that you can be and this and that. And he goes, (laughs) and guess what? 99, nope, 999 out of 100, 1,000 of you aren't going to do shit. One (laughs) of you is actually going to do something. Maybe, 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 but... Most of you, you're not going to do shit. All you're going to do is brag about it. You're going to post on social media. You're great. Probably get a thousand likes too. Mm-hmm. But you ain't going to do nothing. <laughs> we'll see you guys. Good night. And I just stood up and man. clapped, man. And then wow. I left. I'm like, I don't even want to see anything yeah. else. What else? How do you go past that? But even he admits. So he had a winery. His parents had a winery. Okay, so he came from modest. He, mm-hmm. he, he was just, but he said, you know, we were like the fourth largest winery in our region. And he goes, and we're in Northern California, so there's 100 regions, right? Yeah. And he goes, but what I knew how to do was get Google search words. Mm-hmm. And he actually banked on Google versus well, like AltaVista yeah. or versus AskGs. So he, he made the right call on the search made, engine. Yeah, yeah, so he actually had some foresight, some intuition, and some intelligence, but also... He's quick to admit it was a lot of timing. Timing, yeah. Had to do with timing of the marketplace. So he says, you know, I want my kids on the the video games and on uh, the technology 24-7. He goes, that's the only way my kids are going to get a leg up. Because that's where the future is. If I hold them back, he goes, everyone else is on it. Yeah. And he goes, so at least my kids will figure out the angles. Right, try to give them a head start. Yeah, Yeah. so a different way I looked at it. I loved it. So I'm not really quite sure how we got on this topic. I'm not either, actually, but I I do like the idea behind it. It's pretty decent, (laughs) so. And that's the part of the, you know, that's what I love about the play hard section is you just never know where we're going to go. It kind of goes all over the board, you know, which is fine. March Madness, by the way, folks. We're still getting emails coming in. We're getting that filling up a bit. 
All kinds of them coming in. In fact, we had uh, one come in. Please let us in. Please, please. <laughs> I haven't even checked if we've gotten 68 teams yet or not. I have no idea. All I know is that people are excited because it's fun. You know, it's fun. Oh, man. And, and after last year, after it was canceled, you know, we just I think we just want to see some normal. I swear. And I also yeah, think. I've heard you swear. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, You're quite fluent. This uh, March Madness will be more popular than the actual March Madness. You think so? Without fans, sports just doesn't have it. Oh, man. It just is not there. It was you, hard to watch games where there was no crowd or the very Super little crowd. The Super Bowl was really hard. Yeah. I couldn't, it was a hard game to watch anyway. I could, but if there was fans there, you could have panned out in the fans. Remember that? Member. <laughs> I remember. Well... Every now and then, they'll give you Bubby Brister's mom and Kurt Warner's wife. Right. They'll just grab some family member and just start showing them the whole season, that's, you know? That's how you know that the Super Bowl's starting to go downhill is when they start cutting away from the game pretty early. We have officially about, pinnacled because we just said Bubby Brister. Bubby Br- Did I say Bubby Brister? It's a Broncos quarterback? From- Didn't they one year just follow his mom? Out I, in the- you got me, man. I'll have to check that out. Bubby Bub- Br- where, did the- where did Bubby Brister come from? Well, th- that's a different story for a different day, but I swear to God, the the, the chunky quarterback morning, the, the, the chunky soup mother campaign came from Bubby Brister's oh, mom. I man, swear I to you, that that was brilliant. What do you mean it's still there? Is it? See, I don't see it. Anymore. Oh yeah, they don't, don't watch TV anymore. All man. the time, they've got some guy in a Super Bowl outfit, and his mom's yelling at him to eat more soup. Eat the soup because yep. apparently you got to have shoulder pads on, and you know. Well, you I remember know. when Clay Matthews was doing sit in it. Sit the corner, take your helmet off, and <laughs> eat your. Sirloin chunk potato soup or whatever. See how that's brilliant ad. Uh, what were you saying? Sorry, was I saying something? <laughs> no, we were talking about March Madness, man, and we were filling up. We got a couple more, I think. Oh, is it almost time? That, that was it. I thought so. So, all right, we've been waiting for the interview call in here. Swan Energy Hotline. There's the bat phone. All right, folks, we'll be back in a minute or two. San Antonio Pipeliners coming up next. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by The Bach and Barbecue. In 2013, The Bach and Barbecue was created as a collaborative effort to raise money within the community. This family-friendly event raises money to help make a difference within the communities in the Bakken Shale Place. Since their first year, the Bakken Barbecue has not only achieved their goal annually, but it's added to the list of positive impacts within the Bakken. For more information, visit their website, BakkenBBQ.org. That's BakkenBBQ.org. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... Chewy Paws. 
All-natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs. USA sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's ChewyPaws with a Z, dot com. The industrial forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Play Hard, Work Hard morning show. We have a fabulous guest on the line. And Lauren, are you with us here? Yes, I am. Now, Lauren, I have to apologize because I I was not sure how to pronounce your last name. And during the last segment when I was introducing our guest for today, I said your last name. And then I said, oh, geez, I don't even know if I said that right. So uh, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Just Kara. Oh, I was right. You were. Oh, okay. That was easy enough. Okay. Well, I guess I freaked out for no reason. See, this is why live. You're just trying to be polite. See, we, we have a rule here that, you know, when it when it's live, nothing can ever go wrong. Everything was meant to was be all planned. the way it was and all everything. So what we're doing is we're just, we're just highlighting your last name so no one will ever forget it. That's what we're doing. So. <laughs> so you are the San Antonio Pipeliners. You're also with the women's energy network and on linkedin i see something about the austin montana project so we've got a few things to talk to you about uh you can certainly go what's behind door number one or take behind what's (laughs) underneath the box or you can just start with the uh, pipeliners (laughs) well um we can start off with um with I guess my my career, and then go into the the nonprofit area. That sounds great. That's exactly what I had written down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm the vice president of the Austin Montana Project. Um, it's a fairly new company, um, and something that not many people have um, have even thought of utilizing. It's a service that we provide to our clients as an outsourced sales and marketing firm. So. Um, our clients essentially are looking for help developing their sales strategy, um, finding new customers, improving their processes, and just making new connections that could lead to work in the future as well. Um, that's on our sales side. And as far as marketing goes, um, just helping them to develop a defined marketing strategy, um, improving what they already are doing. Some of our clients need additional help with actually doing um, some of their marketing for them in, in the graphic design area, maybe web development um, and social media presence, emailing, things like that. So we have a very diverse clientele. We, um, we represent companies from across the industry 
Um, and there's really no limitations on who we could represent, aside from the fact that we um, we have a very unique promise to each of our clients that they are at the forefront of our mind within their specific segment. So we do not represent clients from um, the same segment. So if we, for instance, had a pipeline construction uh, client, we would not represent other pipeline construction clients because that would be a conflict on our end on whether or not we were able to accurately and, and effectively represent them to their potential customers. I like the name Austin, Montana Project. Is that about <laughs> the city and the state, or are you guys Joe Montana and Stone Cold Steve Austin fans? <laughs> how, how, did, how did you get the name? <laughs> Oh, you, you like know, that one? I that uh, one. Okay. I did. That's a very good one. I haven't heard that one yet. Um, <laughs> it's, it's actually a name that uh, one of our, our managing partners came up with a, a while back um, and always wanted to use it when he, and, uh, when he, Mark Campbell, and his partner, Jenny Norwood, started the Austin, Montana project. Uh, it was already something that had been designed. But essentially what Mark has said was, it's his two favorite places to go, Austin during the summer and Montana during the winter. Yeah, it's a great name. It invokes, it invokes I think, the right image, you know, sort of a, a ruggedness and oil and gas and open skies. I mean, a little bit of everything. Montana in the winter, that's... Hey, we know all about winter. I know. That's usually you go you go to the Austin. Yeah, to get away from the winter. To get away, and then during the summer you enjoy the the, the you Montana. You know, I might have accidentally flipped it. You you might actually be right. No, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, because trust me, it's beautiful in the winter time, but um, you know, a lot, there's just a lot of snow. <laughs> it's all. It's just, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have well, a cough. Well, we experienced quite a bit of that here in, in <laughs> Texas as well recently, so we know how that goes now. Now, where are you located? I'm headquartered out of San Antonio. Okay, and let's transition to that San Antonio Pipeliners for just a second. Now, you were the past president, and what type of uh, organization is this? And you know, what what uh, do you guys you know network with other pipeliners? Just talk about this a little bit. Well, I, actually, I am the past president of the Women's Energy Network. Oh, my bad. I got my notes mixed up. My apologies. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I do all of the digital content for the San Antonio Pipeliners. So anything that you see coming um, from the website or email is um, designed by me. I also do a lot of um, help on the design side and helping them to um, create graphics and promotional items. Um and then also just involved in all of the events because I really have a very big passion for networking and meeting new people. It goes along really well with my career as well, but just in general, I'm a very outgoing, um, friendly person, and I love making new friends, so I really enjoy that about SAPA. SAPA is the San Antonio Pipeliners Association. Um, their purpose is to provide an opportunity for networking within the energy industry um, they have members that span um, multiple segments within the midstream sector and really, really great people. They have um, an, a monthly luncheon and also some larger fundraising events like um, the annual midstream classic golf tournament and they have the clay shoot um, and a saltwater um, fishing tournament. So 
they do multiple events to raise money for their 501c3 um, arm, which is the Midstream America Scholarship Fund. Um, so in addition to the networking opportunities, you can also utilize your opportunities to network as well and as um, help students in the STEM areas. So I really love the, the goal of this organization. It goes right along with what I enjoy doing. And they're a really, really great group of people. Looks like the next meeting is March 11th at the Embassy Suites, San Antonio Landmark, 11 o'clock. That's March 11th. And then uh, the Midstream Golf Open is April 2nd at the Hyatt Hill Country Club. Is that in uh, San Antonio? Yes, both are in San Antonio. Um, So the Midstream... Um, open golf tournament is actually sold out oh, in advance. We're super excited about that's that. That's awesome. That's a good sign. I didn't mean to tease you folks. I was just <laughs> reading their next events. Well, to maybe try you can to scalp a ticket somehow. Get some people to mark their calendars <laughs> while listen to all the people scratching out. <laughs> uh, no, okay. Well, it's great that it's sold out. I mean, a lot of people were certainly itching to get back out there. And uh, the... What is the golf thing then? Is it uh, is is it uh, for a fundraiser or is it for the event or, I mean for the for Sapa, S A P A? Yes, yes. Um, so the Midstream Open is actually a fundraiser through the Midstream America Scholarship Fund. Ah. Um, the proceeds are used for scholarships. So Sapa gives quite a bit um, back to the students uh, and works with universities that offer um, STEM tracks. Specifically, in um, they, they try to find um, programs that are focused on oil and gas career um, trajectories. So they they really use these opportunities to give people a chance to get out of the office, have some fun, um, and do a really great thing helping out students. You know, I'd never heard of, or I, I guess I wasn't aware of of, of scholarships that were that were out there. Uh, you know, for people that were going into oil and gas, into that industry. I was just kind of curious, is, is SAPA one of the few that's actually out there doing it? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly know uh, the extent to how many are available, but I do think that generally the associations like SAPA try to um, include that in their offerings. You know, it, it's not only great for, um, for them to promote that from a, you know, perception perspective about how the industry is giving back, um, but also it allows them to kind of inspire and meet the the new wave and the new generations coming into the industry as well. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I, want, I imagine with the Austin, Montana project too, that, uh, you know, with COVID, with, with everything that's gone on in, in Texas and oil and gas in general over the last 12 months or so, that you probably are some interesting challenges for your clients. Yeah, it, it definitely has been um, a unique time. We've had to kind of think outside the box on how to be strategic for our clients and for ourselves. And even within the organizations that I'm a part of as well, they've had to rethink their strategies on how to engage. Um, I think I think right now everybody is kind of trying to figure out what is the best way to engage, network, and, and move forward with, what still has to be done, you know, sales still have to happen. Projects still need to happen. Oil and gas needs to keep going. Um, so it's, it's all of us are just trying to, to figure out how do we best go forward with, with what we are given at the moment. And, and I'm finding that people are pretty open still to 
Um, virtual meetings, certainly. I've, I've done quite a few. I feel like I've become a Zoom uh, and Teams expert <laughs> bad. now. Um, but, you know, even, even the occasional in-person meeting, as long as it's kept small and safe, um, I'm finding that most people are still agreeable to meeting um, if it's beneficial to them for, you know, business development purposes. Yeah. You know what I'm finding sense. out, to be honest, hmm. and I'm not trying to be cynical here. I'm trying to be. Uh, <laughs> It'll at, just happen naturally. Yeah, you know, I like to do esoteric energy, right? right. Where we take a step back and, and really take an esoteric approach to this. I said it a long time ago, and I still believe this that what's going on is that people are realizing they're having to work twice as hard, three times as hard, or four times as hard to make half as much money right now. And so what they're doing is they're figuring out how to best time manage. So maybe these Zoom meetings are the better way to go instead of driving 200 miles to do an in-person type of a thing. You know what I mean? They're yeah. trying to really figure out how to take that four times as much work down to what they used to work before. And so there's a little bit of an internal chemistry set going on ah. within people's life. Well, everybody's life is different. I mean, me, I've got a home, you know, I've got a distance learning kid that I've got to interject with during the day because there's a whole new grading system now. and. Yep. There's all these new policy things, and I got to intertwine that with my regular day-to-day It's remote business. for them, more hands-on for yeah, you. Yeah, so I don't, I, I'm not sure what your thought is on that, Lauren, but th- that's just been my kind of my observation that people are trying to figure out their time management and what works best for them, if that makes sense. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that we are kind of invigorating the industry to think outside the box in new ways. Um, I've been a stay-at-home person. I've worked from home for years and years, so this was actually no different for me. I never, uh, well, I mean, for many years, I haven't been in an office space, so it was really not that much of a change. Distance learning with my son was certainly an interesting addition to my day. Um, (laughs) Well, it's totally different than the UPS guy dropping by, you know, I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's it's a juggle. Right. And, you know, some people are learning that they got to put their dogs in the kennel and, you know, get on a conference call because, you know, if the neighbor down the street walks his dog, their dog will bark. And all of a sudden you've got an interrupt. Just little idiosyncrasies like that. People are really trying to figure out because that can totally disrupt your whole day. Just something simple like that. And all of a sudden your boss yells at you because you should get your dog out of there and all. Yeah, just. But um, I I hope your boss doesn't yell at you. No, no. Well, my dog does. Yeah, that's my boss. My- I don't know. Maybe we've all gotten a little bit more casual because of that. You know, sure. It's accepting the fact that yeah, there's going to be kids bursting in. There's going to be dogs barking. There's going to be uh, you know mothers that need to feed the kids. You know that kind of stuff. Well, and people that, that are happens. getting in trouble because they got pictures of things in the background. Yeah. They should. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's just <laughs> it's an evolution and an adaption of of the way we work and the way we do things. That's all. It and is. so. Uh, I did want to ask you about uh, the Women's Energy Network. Now, this I know. I, now, this, you were the past president of the South Texas chapter. Is that correct? Did I write South Texas chapter down right? Yes. All right. <laughs> only, only got one wrong. No, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, hey, I'm good, having man. a good morning that's a now. passing grade. So talk to me about the uh, Women's Energy Network of South Texas and just kind of you know some of the good things that you guys are doing down there. Uh, so when is the um, Women's Energy Network, it was started out of Houston, actually, but it has grown um, exponentially. It's It's been around in, since the beginning of 
the 1990s, so it's, it's got a long history. Um, this organization is focused, again, on networking, but in addition to that, also fostering um, opportunities for development, um, leadership growth, skills growth. Um, and so there's a kind of a social aspect, and there's also a personal development and leadership and uh, development side as well, which I personally really enjoy. I've had the opportunity to view some really amazing speakers and attend some really awesome events um, and really improve on myself and, and be the best uh, professional, the best person, the best female, the best leader I can be. And so I really enjoy that. Um, and when South Texas is um, the chapter encompasses San Antonio as well as um, down to the Gulf Coast. So it's a fairly large. That's a big area. Um, yeah geographical land that we that we cover and so there's the the side of corpus the the gulf coast area kind of has their um event track and then the san antonio market has their own event track um so they are just try to provide opportunities to network to grow to learn um and to mentor they do a lot of mentoring as well um under my presidency in 2020 it was an interesting presidency because of all of the plans that we had for in-person events were no longer viable um, due to COVID. So we, we had to ch- switch gears pretty quickly and went virtual. It was a learning process for sure, but it was actually really good for the organization. It kind of opened the horizons, you know, whereas before we were focused on where could we get speakers in this room. Now we're realizing we can get speakers from anywhere in the world to attend our events and give a virtual speech and inspire women um, to to be in the industry, to feel proud of themselves in the industry. Um, and, and we also have male members as well. It's not just a female organization. The goal really is to um, promote diversity and, and inclusion in the industry and promote how um, a diverse workforce in the energy industry is the best thing for the energy industry. Do you have anybody that... Uh, helped you along the way or you you know kind of mentored you or just impacted you and you know it can be anybody from your mother to a teacher to a you know a boss anybody like that is there anybody that you know kind of really helped shape you to who you are today uh, I, I actually think quite a few people did um i would be remiss if i didn't mention um, my mother she inspired me to go into the oil and gas industry she's also involved in the industry and so um, you know, she kind of led me onto this path that I, I very much enjoy. Um, but also in addition to that, um, the ladies at Wynn who came before me and kind of built me up to be the president in 2020 and gave me that opportunity and, and made me feel empowered. Um, that was very special to me and, and the leadership that I was under before my presidency. Those, those ladies, um, were, were tremendous. In, in shaping me. Uh, my current employer, uh, they're amazing. Both um, owners are just really, really empowering um, and, and kind of give me the flexibility to be what I think I need to be and do what I think I need to do and lead in the way that I feel I need to lead. Um, so I really appreciate them as well. Um, and lastly, there's, uh, there's, there's just so many people from from my career over time that have just been so helpful. But one person in particular I need to mention, Omar Garcia, has just been a really great champion for 
energy for um, organizations for his um, co- his uh, company, which is the Port of Corpus Christi. They he has been instrumental in in giving me opportunities to try new things, to see new opportunities, and and has really been a mentor in just helping me, you know, make the best decisions based on using his um, experience as a soundboard. So that's been very great for me. How about for the women out there that are entering the industry or maybe even thinking about leaving the industry? Boy, never thought of that until right now, too. Um, just, you know, what, what kind of message do you have for people out there? Because, well, it's right now, you know, a lot of crossroads, you know, whether it's COVID, whether it's, you know, the presidential executive orders or renewables, whatever it might be, a lot of crossroads in people's lives. And, you know, crossroads are pretty universal no matter what what you're dealing with. Yep. So um, is, is there anything that kind of, you know, led you to where you're at today that you looked at, you know, overcoming adversity or just kind of uh, choosing the uh, crossroads that you did? You know, I, I have a belief that people should, you know, follow their own best interest, of course, um, but try to be try to remain positive even in times of adversity. Um, I think it's easy to get caught up in what the what-ifs um, with the current administration, with COVID, with changes to the industry um, and oil prices. There, there's a lot of questions for many people um, within the industry. And I think many people are questioning whether or not they have stability here. But my... My way of thinking is that oil and gas has been around for many, many, many years, longer on this earth than I have been for sure. (laughs) And it's really not going to go anywhere. You know, it may take um, some time to rebound, but I do really believe that the, the, um, the horizon is bright for energy. And so I would, I would tell you if I were speaking to, let's say, a college student that's looking at energy as their career path, or somebody that's a a, a person in, in energy right now, and they're trying to to decide where they go in the crossroads. They need to do what is best for them and their family first and foremost. Um, but if they feel that staying in energy or going into energy is in their best interest, I think do it and um, have have a little faith, be confident. Uh, be positive. Don't let the negativity that surrounds, you know, the the politics and the current environment with um, with this pandemic. Don't let that stop you from following what it is you really want to do and what you think is in your best interest. Just you know, follow your path and stay true to what you really love doing. You know, that's one of the reasons why we ended up doing a daily show here is so that there's a daily platform for voices like yours because I just started writing down as you were talking, you know, the the truth is oil and gas is changing. You know, we just had a story yesterday, Shell is talking about the different, you know, whatever, um, you know, uh, investment production, that sort of thing. Yeah, 1% to 2% annually. It's not going going away. It's not going away, but it's changing, Mm -hmm. okay? And so... My what I wrote down is take control of the conversation or be controlled by the conversation. Yeah. So one of the reasons we went to a daily platform is so we can take control of the conversation. So we can have a variety of voices talking about essentially the same passion. 
you know, and that's how we get control of the conversation again to let, you know, humanize the industry and mm-hmm. let people know that, you know, it's not just the light switch. It's, it's these people behind the light switch that are making this thing work. Absolutely. So, uh, anyway, Lauren, thank you for that because I, I, you inspired me to write that down as you were talking. So I'm not sure what exactly you did say, but you said something. So thank you. Ha! So. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, I, I love advocating for the energy industry, and it's so important that everybody in the industry, if, if you're proud to be in the industry, be proud, and don't be ashamed to have that pride because it is, it is essential. Like oh, that, that's the word we keep hearing right now. Essential, essential. workers, essential industries. This is essential. Absolutely. We are essential as energy people. We are essential. This industry is essential. And and it's good to, to feel proud about that. And that's what it was. That's what see, at the, we're always trying to look ahead and be proactive at the crude life. And for the last year, you know, we've really gotten on the same page. A lot of oil and gas people that mm-hmm. it ain't going anywhere, you know, because 96% of what we use on a daily basis, okay, is used oil and gas. And then when you look at the PPE revolution, this whole plastic everywhere and sanitation everywhere, that only increases the demand and the reliancy on uh, petrochemicals and fossil fuels. So it, we all know it ain't going anywhere, no. but it is changing. And so when I look at that, you know, we do need to take control of the conversation because there is a different conversation happening. So if we take control of it again, by having daily conversations like this and highlighting women-owned businesses. Yesterday, we had the, the women-owned business on, you yeah. know, and today we got the Women Energy Network on. So we're showing that the energy industry is more than just, you know, a bun- bunch of slinging roughnecks out there. Well, what's fascinating going to me from with, town with to everyone town. we've interviewed, Lauren and everyone else, is that they're not, they don't just have one job. They're also networked and volunteering for several other organizations or they're mentoring. I mean, it's... You know, it's not just a one and done and you go home for the day. It sounds, you know, most of the people we've talked to, it's it's every part of their life, you know? Mm-hmm. Talk about finding something that you like doing and, and you can make money like we did earlier. That's That seems like passion to me. Yes, let, let, let's get back to your, uh, how you make money, Lauren. <laughs> Let's you know we we always got to we we always got to end with plugging yes. the business. And do you and, have any extra that we can have? Yes, exactly. <laughs> we got to start with that. <laughs> so no, uh, you know, one of the questions I do like to ask people in the oil and gas industry is is a specific one. You know, who is your customer? Mm-hmm. Because for some people, it's all the above. You know, it's X Y Z. For others, it's somewhere some weird obscure it's a niche somewhere down the supply chain like you know, seriously how many customers can a frack sand person have you know uh, the, <laughs> outside of the frack the, sand yeah, the, the guy that's doing the filtration for the frack I sand don't know, maybe I mean, playgrounds so or the six hundred thousand dollar generator that can only be used in wet gas shale plays right. okay how many customers does that guy seriously have so we always like to ask who's the customer and also um, you know, what it is you do and how you can help them. So um, there you go. Who's your customer and how can you help them? So we have a diverse clientele and we can represent basically any company as long as we don't have that conflict that I mentioned before um, already within our portfolio. Um, but what we do is uh, we, we typically find that it's companies that don't have um, a robust internal BD staff, um, and they need help to either do the BD or they need help, you know, rerouting what is being done. It's not being effective, and so they want some help there. Um, 
So we, we can have clients from across the industry, from different sectors, and even outside of energy, we get construction um, clients that are interested in, in, in things that are, have nothing to do with energy. So it's really not just energy that we focus on. However, that is our kind of um, main um, sector that we're working with predominantly. Um, but I, I have a client um, just in time. They do they do rentals, including portable restrooms, um, hand washing stations, and you know lighting, fencing, water systems, things like that. So it's not necessarily only going to be you know a an oil and gas service provider. This is a, a site a site provider. So it's an interesting mix that we have within the Optima Montana project. Yeah. Um, and what we're able to do is help them to just grow. Um, beyond what they're what they are, we give them an, a look at their industry, a look at their market, help them to figure out some new opportunities that they might not have recognized before, and really just go and knock on those doors, make those virtual meetings, um, take trips wherever we can to do networking, and and help them to find those new potential customers. Anything we left out? Anything you uh, want to make sure that uh, we mention? Um, well, I, again, aside from the Austin Montana project, I just love my the two organizations that I work with. Um, uh, regarding when, uh, if you're interested in being involved as a member, as a sponsor, I would encourage you to go and look up Wind South Texas. Great group of ladies and gentlemen. We have some male members as well. Um, and we have an upcoming event actually in conjunction with SAPA. They tend to work together once a year at an annual event. And we just are going to be announcing that our next event um, for WIN will be um, co-hosted with SAFA. And it's about inspiring women. Um, that event is going to be on April 8th. And that's going to be at the same hotel uh, as the March uh, SAFA luncheon, the Landmark. Um, and we have three speakers that are very inspiring from the San Antonio area. So I would encourage everybody to look into that, look at SAPA. They have those monthly luncheons that are really great. I'd love to meet you at one. I, I come to almost every single one. I come to as many as I possibly can um, because I just enjoy the opportunity to meet people. So I'd love to meet everybody listening to this episode. And, um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and we'll have to be make sure we talk down the road. Of course, if you have any events that you need uh, help getting the word out, feel free to lean on us here, okay? Oh, I appreciate that. I certainly will. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band.
Life with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. If you want to look at America, you go to Permian and the Bakken, and, and that's what America should be, united as one. And that's exactly what we are. And, and then, you know, that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One county in Kansas, one single county, produced 9% of the world's oil. That was oil that won World War One, As the British said from the floor of Parliament, the Allies floated to victory on a sea of oil. Works picked up here in the Permian Basin. Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do things better. Commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the solution to low prices is high prices, the solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's a big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be the big bad wolf. And on top of that, you know, you would get a nice increase in pay, as I'm sure most of us all know. When you move to oil field areas, you get a, a nice little bump in pay. After him and I having five margaritas over at the Cork and Pig, I called my boyfriend and I was like, hey, do you want to move to Texas? And he was like, yeah, when, when are we moving? <laughs> and honestly, we moved about a month after that. This oil and gas industry, I've met some of the best people I've ever met in my life doing this. to the play hard work hard morning show my name is jason Spees. that is sterling and sterling the, on social media somebody says food for thought work hard first then play hard too bad man no we like to nope. do it in the reverse man. we're gonna play hard first then yeah. we're gonna work hard because yeah. that's the way i think people are they wake up in the morning and they don't go to work right away they gotta you know get into it first yeah that they morning gotta, moment you, you know, know whether the coffee, it's the tea, go the, for a run, yeah. have your morning coffee, whatever it is. You know, you play, you, you drive to work, yeah. listen to the radio, play some music, play some Tesla, Tesla. five man acoustical Wah! band, jam. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get sued, man. Just random rock and roll poison. We're just excited. It's almost the end of the week. Oh boy! So anywho, it's been a good week of interviews so far. I find it funny how we get trolled by people in the same industry as us. Hey, I, we know they they must be listening. Imagine if they took that and diverted it the other way. That other energy. Yeah. And said, instead of coming down negatively on you, we're going to turn it and promote you mm-hmm. and say, look at this, guys. Look at here. They're celebrating Women's History Month because Michaela Hager's coming up next. Right after news, canine pipeline canine inspections. Pipeline. Also, uh, chewy paws, right? Yeah. You know, I wonder which came first, the chicken or the egg? The paw or the chew? The paw or the chew. Right. So <laughs> did was it the pipeline business first? Because I have this whole romanticized version where right, she's out fantasy. looking for pipelines and, oh, look at this. Stumbles across a deer shed. deer antlers and, you know, moose paw and right. that sort of thing and, and picked those up and all of a sudden has a second business. She's one of the hardest working gals I know, by the way. Well, it sounds like it. I mean, with that, and you mentioned something about bees. We have to ask her about the bees. Oh, the bees. Yeah. Bees attacked her the last time I yeah, spoke to her. Yeah, didn't she say her. that they were aggressive? <laughs> Which is not generally the kind of attitude you probably want in last a Last time I saw Michaela, Mick, I call her, mm-hmm. 
uh, Hager, canine pipe inspections and Chewy Paws, was at the Bakken Barbecue. Okay. Okay. And she came the day before for our living the crude life uh, live recording with the mayor of Bismarck, Steve Bakken, Patrick Bertinoli with Watford City Rough Rider Center, and of course the co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue, Tiffany Steiner, that's Jackie a, Jenkins. It's a nice little group there. Yeah, we had a cadre. But what we talked about was how oil and gas builds community. Mm-hmm. So we had. The co-founders of the Bach and Barbecue that are raising, you know, this is like the one where they're raising hundred thousand dollars for the Make a Wish Foundation. Yeah, we we got the mayor of a town on that literally knows how to build a town, mm-hmm. and then we've got Patrick Bertinelli, who is the hardest working guy out there in Western North Dakota. Okay, so which is saying something. So <laughs> anyway, I asked her about the bees and look on her face. She's like, they turned on me. <laughs> so <laughs> well, okay, we got to we got to ask her later. They got aggressive. Yeah. Beekeeping on the side, you know. Some people crochet. You know, man, I, I Not would. Michaela Hager. I think what North Dakota is one of the leader exports of, of honey, right? Number yeah. one. And man, I love honey. Love it. So we have news coming up. Let's see what else do we have. Let's see tomorrow's program was a Friday tomorrow. Like I said, we got the co-founders, yeah. the Bach and Barbecue, and what else do we got tomorrow's Friday? I forget, but um, and I imagine with the Bach and Bar- Barbecue this year, they're they're plowing ahead full steam, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. going to be a huge back to normal event. Back to June. Back to June. So maybe. it wasn't pushed back to August. So well, yeah, that's good news. Well, let's speaking of news. Speaking of news, you want to start with something a little. Fun? here yeah all right check this just the headline alone will get you excited stranded day drinkers discover that beer air mattresses and the indian ocean don't mix oh wow on the other side of the world is a land where twenty-two thousand miles of coastline kisses a vast expanse of seemingly infinite ocean it is a land where the beer flows freely which presumably helps people forget the giant spiders stalk them at every turn i'm talking of course about australia where last Saturday, two men either didn't notice or didn't mind that the inflatable mattress that they were day drifting on was drifting out to sea. Jackson Perry and Noah Palmer had taken the air mattress and a cooler full of beer into the water in front of Palmer's Oceanside House, located just south of Perth on Australia's west coast. They intended to spend the day relaxing, no more than 50 yards from shore, but the wind had other plans. Wow. So one of those... $100 air mattresses you buy at Target? Yep. <laughs> and they were just going to lay on that. Yep. Float. Wow. And the wind took off. Boy, that's a movie in the making. With right the there. batteries on their phones dwindling, Palmer and Perry called their friend Tex, who they knew was about 30 minutes away from their location. Tex. Tex from Australia. As the wind carried the two and them two and a half miles out into the Indian Ocean, the pair noticed that they were gradually sinking due to the fact that the mattress was full of pinholes. To stay afloat, Palmer jumped off the mattress every few minutes and reinflated it manually while the duo waited for help to arrive. Wow. After three hours of drifting, Tex arrived on a jet ski to rescue his friends and was quickly followed by a team of volunteer rescuers who helped bring Perry and Palmer to shore. When asked if they had any advice to other people who enjoyed drinking and floating on air mattresses, Perry said, definitely check the wind forecast before anything. Other than that, he said, we had a pretty good time. (laughs) Just another misadventure down in Australia. Well, you know, it's one of the few stories I hear coming out of Australia that involves the ocean and didn't involve a shark. So I was going to say, I mean, (laughs) I was waiting for the shark or something to come. Some barracuda, some sort of 
Australia is awesome. Everything that lives there, animal or lives close by, is trying to eat you. Even the animals that can't bite you are extremely venomous. I think they're poisonous. Like the snake, uh, the sea snake. The sea snake is like the most poisonous snake of all, but it can't bite you. Even like, I think the slugs there are poisonous, man. <laughs> spiders as big as dinner plates. Yeah. All kinds of Showed my wife things, a picture so. of one of those. She still hasn't forgiven me. That'd be something else, jumping out and blowing up the raft back up again and jumping back on and back and forth and that sort of thing. But man, they seem like they had a good you know, time. When I was a kid, a couple of buddies and I did something similar. We just didn't have the beer, but we drifted out of the bay in Saudi and started getting close to the Gulf before we realized we had to start paddling back. <laughs> I wonder why they just didn't jump out and swim. Because it's Australia, man. It's the Indian Ocean. Probably didn't want to get their cell phones wet. <laughs> That's probably it. I mean, they jump in and they got, you know, they lose their cell phones. Yeah. This way they can hang on to the raft. And I don't know. Have you ever been out on the ocean on a small boat? It's difficult. It's well, I mean, it's just like for me, I've only done it a few times, but you really, you really realize how tiny you That's are. That's what I'm saying. You, you the ocean controls yeah, you. It has absolutely zero Have you concern. ever done snorkeling? I have done snorkeling. Okay, trying to even just swim over a wave. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. No wonder people get thrown around. Yeah, that's when I learned to drink salt water the first time. And that's without <laughs> the undertow. Yeah. And what I found actually was, be, you know, I do yoga. Mm-hmm. And with yoga, they teach you, you know, breathe out of your nose, that sort of thing. Well, when you snorkel, you got to breathe out of your mouth. Right. I had a hard time with that. Doing that mouth breathing. I, oh, I was. And then when the cold, you're, it yeah. constricts you. It makes it more difficult. So, to, yeah, yeah I, had a, I had a hard time with that. It was very hard. When no, I, did, Hawaii. I, I did, was in Hawaii, too. Now, see, I, I, I did some scuba diving, but it was in really boring places. It was in Saudi Arabia, but mm-hmm. there was nothing to see in the Gulf. It's just sandy bottom and, you know, no, no real coral. Hmm. Yeah, very, very, very dirty. <laughs> Just a bunch of trash. I know, man. I always wanted to do the Red Sea, though. Yeah. What else we got? Uh, well, there's some less you know, exciting news, but more oil and gas related. So from our newest energy climate czar. Remember that? Climate czar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the U.S. climate czar, which uh, is John Kerry uh, at nighttime, I guess. Well, I thought John Kerry was the climate envoy. He's No, no. He is a czar. No, I thought the girl was the czar. Well... Maybe he's a czar McKitchen. envoy. I don't know. McCarthy. You're right. You're right. I know. You're right. I know. Because we, we had this discussion. U.S. climate envoy, Thank John you. Kerry. Get on, on the great big on envoy. <laughs> Crossing the U.S. Oh, God, no. Okay. Kerry on Tuesday urged oil and gas companies to do more to diversify and adopt low-carbon technologies. How is that not being talked about on every How single is that news? talk show that... Obama creates a climate czar, and now we've got a climate envoy. Two brand new giant, we're going to control your life positions. Hi, can you just do that? Apparently. Can, can you just all of a sudden create, hey, this Poof, is the it exists. Sec- secretary, not sure. What's the um, House of Representing from Idiocracy? Are, Dude, are we going to? It's, it's the. What is going on here? You can just seriously do it. Why don't we have a secretary of video games? Now, that would make sense to me. That would make a lot of sense yeah. to me. I think that's the army. <laughs> 
Oh man! So basically, Air Force, actually, yeah, right, yeah, Air Force, Air Force yeah. yeah, drone driving. <laughs> so speaking alongside oil executives, making the case for the continued production of oil and gas at the virtually held Sierra Week conference, Kerry called for the United States to accelerate the development of hydrogen, carbon capture, and other technologies that can reduce emissions. Well, of course, because he's the climate envoy. Yeah, what do John, you expect the dude to say? John Kerry man? is the former lame duck, nothing candidate for a president. Nobody listens to him, but you put him with the name Climate Envoy, and now all of a sudden he gets in the... This is absolute crap. His actions, predictably enough, have drawn criticism from oil executives who believe this will make the United States more dependent on oil imports from countries other than neighboring Canada or Mexico. We've reached energy interdependence from just looking at North America, Canada, the United States, and Mexico, and now we're going to be importing 60 to 70% of our crude from OPEC again if they follow through with our ban and not allow any more production, said Scott Sheffield, chief executive, chief executive at Pioneer Natural Resources. I'm starting to believe my racist, uh, uh, closed-minded conspiracy uncle that thinks that these guys are working for the Chinese. Isn't it weird <laughs> that everybody's got one of those uncles? It totally does, absolutely. I'm just wondering, am I going to be that uncle someday, man? Man. <laughs> right, if you're, right, if, if you're I'm getting one, older. <laughs> if you're wondering if you're that guy, you're that, you're that guy. guy. <laughs> I'm self-aware enough to, to, to wonder. Well, yeah, I'm starting to wonder this because it is, uh, it's pretty blatant. Yeah. The Shep- it's getting blatant. It, you know, like you, like we've been talking about is it, it, more and more you're hearing that, you know, it's not the everything, it's not the all of or above, it's the transition. More and more you're hearing about transition, transition, and you're hearing it from Shell. You're hearing it from Chevron. They're talking about that reality too. The Chevron Corp CEO Michael Worth said in a separate session that the oil and industry and U.S. government. Where, where is the oil and gas leadership here, man? Is this anywhere in the story? Well, he says natural gas should play a very important role. Adam Are these Worth. guys just golfing? What the heck? Oh, I'm sure, man. It's a conference. They're having fun. Dude, I'm serious. I mean, this is this is scary. This is really scary for the oil and gas industry. What I'm processing right now, all of a sudden, out of the clear blue sky, Joe Biden decides he's going to create a climate envoy that, to- that's going to be a foot soldier for the climate czar who's going to go out and do whatever the heck it is they're doing on China's behalf. Why did we ever use the word czar? I remember that back in the 70s, like energy czars and stuff. When Obama launched that, Mm -hmm. I was so dumbfounded because to me, a czar is an evil Russian. Well, yeah. I mean, and we've had czars uh, appointed by administrations all the way back at least to Reagan that I can remember, but I just never understood what the name... The term czar had more of a scary negative effect than any Confederate flag ever had in my life because the Confederate flag was the Dukes of Hazard, man. Daisy right. Dukes. Right, and the idea, Jesse. the idea of a czar from the from our government point of view is somebody who basically can do what they want to do to get things done, right? They're in control of everything. I think that's what why that's why we're afraid why, of them. That's why we call because, them czars, Because right? Stalin was a czar, right? Well, so this is what Kerry said in conclusion. Lenin was a czar. Kerry says, but we are going to have to get rid of some of our chauvinism and parochial components, excuse my English, that resist common sense and the need to move very hastily to get this done. It says the man with one of the largest greenhouse footprints in Congress. <laughs> Seriously. He's, well, got, he's, he's one of the biggest polluters in Congress. He's got his own jet. His house is, is uh, plural. 
Yeah, because I believe his wife is uh, heiress to the Heinz ketchup fortune. All I know is if you go back and listen to the whatever the previous interview was, two interviews ago with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer, he's mm-hmm. the one who called it out because I asked him, what the hell is a climate envoy? Mm-hmm. I think heck is what I said. Sure, because you're polite. Yeah. He's professional. I wanted to swear. <laughs> I already swore at one senator last year. That didn't go well. Yeah, yeah. Let them swear. That you was don't an swear. Bomb, though. Ooh, well, at least you got it off good. You know, if you're going to go, go big, man. <laughs> That's right, man. <clears throat> biblically bad, biblically good. But this climate stuff is really getting out of hand. And I'll be honest, is there somewhere from the oil and gas leadership in the story? Because if they're not even being quoted in the story, then that's even worse because now you just have a one-sided view yeah. being hammered down in a news story with the other side. And by the way, there's a ton of other sides, but without any other side being represented, that's, that's why I can't believe people are still partying in yeah. the industry. Well, and this is, I think this is the American Petroleum Institute. You oh, know? Because well, the main the main U.S. oil industry lobby is weighing endorsing a price on carbon emissions. Yeah, that was a different news story I saw. Yeah. Is this the same this, one? This is a continuation of okay, that. Okay, so yeah. I did see they're starting to concede on that. Yeah. So what does that say there? It's, that surprised that's, me. Yeah, that's a major shift. That really surprised yeah. me. Yeah, so the American Petroleum Institute, which includes most of the biggest oil companies, is considering endorsing carbon pricing, among other policy solutions, to reduce emissions and reach the ambitions of the Paris Agreement, the source said, confirming a report about the policy shift by the Wall Street Journal. Big deal. Yeah, a draft document of the shift policy shift reviewed by the Wall Street Journal said the group does not endorse a specific carbon pricing tool, such as tax on carbon emissions or emissions trading scheme. It said, however, that the group's State of American Energy report released in January was supportive of a market-based carbon pricing policy. So, you know, again, that's, uh, I feel like, the the tipping point. What was the headline? Uh, well, it was kind of a multi-headline. You had, you had the U.S. climate czar urging oil and gas industry to hasten transition in renewables, and then a sub-headline, the oil industry lobby weighs support of that carbon pricing. So what came out of those meetings? Um. So yeah, I mean that's 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 huge, right? Because it's they've long who's, resisted who's the, mandatory government climate policy. Who's the source on this? Uh, this is coming off of well, Wall Street Journal is what they're citing. Okay, but this is coming off of all oil and okay. gas three hundred and sixty. So okay, no, it's Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is a big deal. Yeah. Okay, that's the a Wall, huge Wall Street Journal has a voice that carries a lot of weight mm-hmm. with a lot of different people. They don't tend to jump and the gun very often either. What? What they're saying is the oil and gas industry is starting to agree with John Kerry, the climate czar. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing out of this. I'd be pissed as I could be if I was giving uh, money to anybody in oil and gas leadership and they allow this shit to happen. Well, it seems like, I mean, if you're throwing money at, at people like Ted Cruz or, or other people in Congress for oil and gas, it seems like you're not getting a big return on investment here. Is, is that... Am I interpreting this right? That's now? what it sounds like. I mean, they're talking about within or the. Or they're thinking about it. Yeah, well, they support. They didn't. They apparently they don't support a specific pricing tool, but they're open to the idea of a pricing policy. This is what I talk about. But that's just when, the crack, when I'm talking right? about that's controlling the narrative the and controlling the conversation here. Sure. Okay. So, what the conversation by the Wall Street Journal here is is that the API is starting to agree with John Kerry on climate change. That's what I. Read is that out what of you it. want? Oil and gas. 
Is that what you want? Because that's not what I've heard. Wow. Yeah. If that's the case, then I guess that's the way the conversation's starting to go. That's in the Wall Street effing journal. Apparently, within the American Petroleum Institute, there's been a widening rift between Europe's top energy companies, which over the past year have accelerated their they plans want this shit. to cut emissions, right? And their rivals, Mobil, Exxon, Chevron Corp. It's not about cutting emissions. It's not what it's about. No, but you know that story the other day from <laughs> Shell saying, out of the Netherlands, you know, talking about basic oil and gas is going to gradually decline 1% no, to 2% no, annually. No, I'm not, I'm not falling for this shit again. They, they did the same thing with coal. And coal cut the emissions, and they still got rid of them. Yeah. Okay? So they're, they're a bunch of liars. They're a bunch of liars. You know, for me, really, as, a, as the end user of electricity and power and gas, as long as I can flip on the lights and stuff like that, I don't really care where it comes from, but the people that are involved in this industry need to be taken care of. They got, they got coal in North Dakota and Texas called lignite coal. Yeah. That shit's cleaner than any university of uh, 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 whatever's gaming team, their new esports team. Right. The amount of pollution those uh, those esports teams are putting out ain't hold a stick to the to the, the the coal. The coal's clean. Well, you know, I always it's thought a of different it different thing. Exactly. I always thought of it as you get the energy right from your power provider, right? It's what you do with that energy right. as the end user that just, makes an impact. Just like a straw. Exactly. It's just like a plastic bag. It's like all these masks we see all over the place. Yeah. That's the new blight yeah. on, on America oh, right now. I picked up a couple dozen of those things in parking lots. and yeah. I'm telling you, we could start a nonprofit to pick up these masks. Yeah. In fact, I wrote it down. You know, oh, He's got his no, papers oh, no, out, folks. Shell company yeah. idea. That's a real company. <laughs> No, it's a real company. You ready for this? I'm I'm ready. You're a you're a dog walking business that also picks up masks. Brilliant. Damn it, the government should fund you for that. That should be subsidized, man. You go around walking dogs for, yep. for people with dogs that work all day so they can't take their dogs out. So you're doing a public service so the dogs can get out. Mm-hmm. And then you're also picking up all those masks all over the place. People walking their dogs know what I'm talking about because there's masks all over the you place. get outside your dogs get to exercise they get to socialize you're doing something good you can feel better than your neighbor you know and it's always nice to feel better than your neighbor i didn't realize that john Kerry was the new leader in oil and gas holy Dude. shit what what's the next news story <laughs> i don't think i want to talk to you about the next one <laughs> okay now that's this... why that's why you got to end with the fun one you don't sorry start man i one. but Jesus. it was just i couldn't help it it's beer. It's you know, the ocean. Okay, this is from Morgan Stanley. You aware of them? Yeah. Banker or something yep. like yep. that, right? Yep. Their headline is, the oil industry is about to become worthless. That's not true. Coal plants are being retired Who's in the, the EV sector. This is by, Who's oh, this source? is an article called In- From Inside EVs. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> might be just a little slanted here. A little here. biased on yeah. this one. It does say that the opinions expressed therein are not necessarily our own. <laughs> so, whose are they? Oh man! So, coal plants are being retired, and the EV sector accounts for a higher stock market valuation than legacy auto. So, they say there's a lot of denial and wishful thinking in the oil and auto fields these days. But on the other hand, there is quite a few industry observers who understand that a historic transition is beginning. Here's the here's where let's just pause for a second because where the next wave of issues is going to come that people do not understand is 
you know, yesterday I mentioned that this ESG movement mm-hmm. is being called the new dot com. Oh, that's the environmental okay. social governance. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's to get money. Yeah. It's to get money. Because well, you got, you, you've you got, got to do have it. your ESG certification now if you want to do if energy If you want a government money. contract, right. if you want a state contract, yeah. And so, and you don't even have to, if, if you're a newcomer, like Bill Gates and Robert Downey Jr., who are starting a new electric car company. Yeah, what's up with that? Called man? Turn Turn Tidal top, or Tide t- Turn or uh, two turntables in a microphone. microphone. Yeah, you know that that electric. I'd buy car, that car, man. That electric car company, but they're going to get ESG certified out of the gate. Yeah, there's not no bank is going to give two shits about whether they got ESG certification or not. But if the crude life, who's building a forest. No, yeah. you got to go do X, Y, Z. Or if you're a Meridian Energy Group building a refinery, no, nope, you got to do X, Y, Z. But if you're a Bill Gates and Robert Downey Jr., here, just take the money. Take uh, the money. Pay us back, even if you don't oh, Even if you don't have to. You don't worry about it. It's like that old SNL skit with uh, uh, Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. when he goes to dresses up like a white guy. Oh, that's right. Goes to get some bank loan. And he goes load. to get a loan. Yeah. His name is Mr. White. Yep. You know, it's like that. <laughs> just take the money. Just take it, Robert Downey Jr. Just take it, Bill Gates. You're already rich enough. Have everybody else's money. Yeah. You're doing good. Finally, somebody who understands. Well, you know, we've always been a country that rewards success, but I think somewhere along the line, we transition to re- we just reward success within a circle. I disagree. We idolize it. Well, we definitely idolize, we idolize it. it. We don't reward it. We yeah. idolize it. It's gotten out of hand to where, like I said, when I when I read that story about how all of a sudden, Bill Gates and Robert Downey Jr. are going to be like the next Tesla. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, they're doing it because of the subsidies. Well, that's the thing is, if you've the got subsidies. enough money to get to break that barrier, then you you it seems like a whole bunch of money opens up to you from a federal point of view. When when John Stewart started getting the heat to get off the air was when he started really cracking the real nuts, and when because. He, he left because it was just got to be too much. He started doing a little bit too hard-hitting news. But what he uncovered was the buy-in's just too much. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an average company, the buy-in is way too much to get to that next level. Yeah. That's why you got uh, the companies in North Dakota. They need to go and get 15 investors before they can get to the level of One Oak and Hess and some of the other big guys. Yeah. They're out there still trying to get that midstream investor group together so they can get the public to pay for well, the infrastructure. Well, and something I've noticed from 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 people I've worked with that weren't the best business managers is that, you know, if a bank was into them for enough money, the bank was basically at a point where they just pretty much had to keep putting money into it. Well, that's how Amazon you know, it was got like, to where it was. Yeah, I remember there was yeah. five, seven years where- They were not the, making profit. Yeah, but the investors, they, they knew if they left it, they would it would be more- they would lose more money to pull mm-hmm. out than to keep spending the money type of a thing. But that's the thing is it's like you it and, you and I could never have started no. Amazon and no. run it that way. No. And run it at a loss for several years in order to establish a presence. And, you know, because remember, it started out as books. And when stuff you take like a that, look so. at the last 10 years, most of the entrepreneurs haven't done anything. They have, they, they've had to get bailed out by the government. Well, yeah. I mean, how impressed am I supposed to be when one of the Kardashians makes a billion dollars on her vodka or perfume line? Because, you know, it's like, 
sure, if I had several million dollars to invest and I had yeah. a brand and name, yeah, I bet success is a little bit easier. Not to take away, you know, the benefit reward of that, but that's the new thing they're finding out. You know that uh, all these companies that are trying to, you know, work hard mm-hmm. and make money are failing left and right because they have what's called, they used to be called ghost companies. Now they're called ghost franchises. <laughs> Great. Where what happens is somebody, it's somebody who's already developed an app yeah, and they'll just repackage it for minimals, you know, pennies on the dollar type thing, pay somebody in India to do it for nothing, but they'll attach a celebrity to it. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like when Friday the 13th kept coming out with movies. Okay. <laughs> They knew that they were going to get $20 million opening weekend. Right. So if they just spent under 15, they'd make five. Right. That's why they always made those things on a shoestring. And five million is good money. Yeah. It's better than nothing that year. Yeah. And now they might make 10 or they might make 20 or, or you know, whatever, but they know they'll at least make five. Something like that. It's the fact that you're still making money off that movie 20 years later. So you when, you, when you see the washed-up bachelorette person, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, if, if we get some sort of you know, lean cuisine that comes delivered to your door app, right. you know, this food freshly things, well, we know she's good for 100,000 you know, 100, meals mm-hmm. type of a thing because of her analytics and XYZ. So that's really where we're going. And if you really even want to go a step further... There used to be a day when the actors and actresses would have never done a commercial. I was just thinking that. You'd have to go over to Japan or someplace to find them doing a commercial. Well, and there was a there was a respect factor for the mm-hmm. business, which is before Joey Tribbiani could be successful on Friends, he had to do the Heinz the Heinz commercial as an extra. Right. You know, the commercials is where you got your start. That was the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. So you can look back and say, oh, look at Jodie Foster when she was a kid actor, right. you yeah. know? All that's gone sort now. Sort of slumming now. No, well, and no. Gen- Jennifer Garner's like, you know what? I'm not going to do a movie this year. I'll just have the credit card company pay me $5 million to do eight ads. Absolutely. I would totally do that, man. But she had that established brand that she could live off of, you know? You want to talk about a shell company. Do you remember the Fire Festival debacle a couple of years ago? Yeah, where the guy tricked all those rich people to give him money? Yeah, I watched a couple documentaries on it. You know, Fire it, Island. Fire Island. But you talk uh, initially, uh, you know, beautiful influencers and models brought out for a glamorous photo shoot, video shoot, you know, to, to totally sell this thing. And that's all it was. It was selling just a, it was a fantasy. It was something they cooked up that weekend as a good idea and decided to make it a reality. But it was all... The entire fire festival was was a loss leader initially. That was the idea to get people interested in the app for planning events with celebrities and stuff like that. You know, unbelievable, crazy stuff. I'm still in awe that John Kerry is the new leader in the oil and gas movement. I, I need you to email me that story because <laughs> who I, would you have picked? Like, if you could have chosen, if you had to choose somebody for the Biden administration's energy envoy or climate envoy if you'd got to pick who would you if you had to put somebody in that position it just seems like maybe john Kerry wasn't the best i don't know man i i don't <laughs> i don't even understand what a climate I'd bring, envoy i bring is. back rex tillerson i was gonna say you can't get a better name than rex tillerson yeah. pretty sure it's when why it, he got the job when initially. it comes to oil and gas yeah. i mean that's just i mean that's yeah. dude, dude look like a real is, jr totally know? I just don't get that, um, the API part of it. 
there, there's that's interesting. That to me, you know, and I obviously don't follow this stuff like you, but that jumped out to me as like, huh, that's new. That's yeah. a change. That's what I'm saying. There's the the sheer switch of momentum that's happening in the oil and gas industry and no one's talking about it Dude, is three months. Unbelievable to me. We're three months into the year. Where is the leadership? I that's feel, what I can't understand. I feel like it's pebbles just starting to come loose right before whoosh rock slide. Oh wow. Yeah, I'll be really yeah. Okay. Is that it for news? That's it for news. We'll see what Friday holds for us. You see why we end with the fun one? I know. Sorry. <laughs> Michaela Hager coming up next. Canine pipe inspections and chewy paws. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by the Bakken Barbecue. In 2013, the Bach and Barbecue was created as a collaborative effort to raise money within the community. This family-friendly event raises money to help make a difference within the communities in the Bach and Shale Place. Since their first year, the Bach and Barbecue has not only achieved their goal annually, but it's added to the list of positive impacts within the Bakken. For more information, visit their website, BakkenBBQ.org. That's BakkenBBQ.org. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... Chewy Paws. All-natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs. USA-sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's ChewyPaws with a Z, dot com. The industrial forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone line. Welcome back to the Crude Life morning show, Work Hard, Play Hard. My name is Jason Spies. This is going to be kind of a combination, one of those hybrid shows again, where we work hard and we play hard. Of course, we're going to be talking about dogs, so it's hard to work hard <laughs> when you're talking about dogs. Even when we're working hard, it's pretty light. Yeah, you're playing hard quite yeah. a bit. So, uh, one of our sponsors, Chewy Paws. Of course, Canine Pipe Inspections as well. Michaela Hager, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Thanks for inviting me on. 
Well, I appreciate you coming on the program today to talk about a number of different things. Of course, uh, March being the Women's History Month, and I like to say women in industry are making history every day. That's kind of what's happening. So how long have you worked in the energy sector? We started doing what we do back in 2017, actually. Okay. Um, And been going ever since. How about the canine industry? How long have you been in the canine industry? Chewy Paws. Chewy Paws came later, didn't it? Actually, it came right about the same time. Interesting fact, it came in at the same time we developed our working dogs, and it was means to kind of fund the original business model forward. Oh, I see. It was kind of a... All profits went to the dogs. So it was one of those hobbies that turned into a... A venture capitalist firm. Yeah. yeah, that's the American dream, right there. <laughs> yeah, sheds of venture capitalism. So, well, we've got a bunch of it all over the floor here. Actually, how did you guys start Chewy Paws? By the way, in my mind, I envisioned that you guys were, you know, bringing these dogs, looking for pipelines, and just picking up, you know, deer sheds and stuff, antlers. Actually, it was totally a separate deal, but. Um, I started out doing shed hunting and that form of detection prior to getting into the pipeline industry. Um, so our dogs were shed hunting and it was kind of a smaller hobby that grew into something and it didn't want to quit. So it became its own business. (laughs) That'd be fun. Bringing dogs out, just letting them look for antlers and stuff. That'd be a blast. It does sound awesome outdoors. Yeah. yeah. Just being outside. Okay. It's like when I I bring Frackleberry Hound out, we just go Martian. We don't go hunting, you know, none of that hardcore training. Just (laughs) have fun. You know, we'll... If we kind of get in the ballpark, good enough. So. There's got to be a downside, right? Every every everything has a downside, but it sounds like a lot of fun. Let's talk about your dogs for a minute with the canine pipe inspections. Now, you guys just got back from Texas. You were down there sniffing for some leaks and that sort of thing. I've always read and heard that these dogs are still more accurate than a lot of the uh, robotics and sensors out there. Is that true? Actually, we got the opportunity to put our dogs back-to-back with electronic sniffers. I've got a link on our website somewhere. No kidding. But, I didn't uh, even know that. Yeah. Boy. So we had a scenario where they were detecting, and I think they injected Mercaptan and used electronic sniffers. Um, that company had found leaks, but when they put the line up to pressure, they still were losing pressure. That's when we got called on because they still had leaks, and when we got brought on, we actually found two micro leaks that were missed by the modern technology. So that was our first opportunity to actually have showcase what our dogs can do back to back with technology. The technology did what it needed to do, but there are limitations and places where it just it isn't at the level these dogs are when it comes to these micro, very, very challenging leaks. What kind of dogs are you using? I have all shepherds, so mostly Dutch shepherds, Malinois, and we got a Czech shepherd on the team as well. I say Czech shepherd, but she's a German shepherd. <laughs> Her origins are from Czech, though. How long? What is what's involved in the in the training of the dogs for that? Or is it fairly intuitive for them, or is it is it really a specialized, long term type of training regime? Kind of a combination. So you need that dog that has, as you put it, an intuitive nature. They want to. They're basically passionate about hunting, that work, that drive. I put a big focus on dogs with grit as well. <laughs> if they go through tough scenarios, I don't want them to say, hmm, I'm not sure about those, you know, West Texas thorns. Like, I got some strong dogs that want to work really hard. 
you need the, that genetic potential and then pairing that with a consistent program, building these dogs up to be very specialized at what they do. So the training is continual. It's not something that you do for a couple of weeks and then they're trained per se. Oh, sure. We train these dogs every day. Yeah, it's a perishable skill, I imagine. It need constant training. Yeah, that is awesome. Hey, how far hey. how far below the Earth's surface are these pipelines? Do they vary, or is there is there a set amount? I mean, I know they vary. Some are above ground and that sort of thing. But is there like a a depth that gets too far for the dogs, or anything along those lines, or do they have no problems? Uh, no problems, so long as they give us enough time for our tracer odorant to get to the surface. Okay. So whatever that depth is, we're just going to calculate the amount of time we need based on the conditions. But we've worked on mines shallow as, say, three, four feet, um, as deep down to 12 feet. Um, wow. Just our experience. But technically, we should be able to do any depth so long as it gives it enough time for that vapor to get to the surface so the dogs can do their job. you telling me that those dogs can get a pinhole leak 12 feet below the Earth's surface? Well, we haven't done any. Leaks we've found, I think, were, I think the deepest was probably seven, eight feet. Okay. Um, just because that's where the leak was. Right, right. That's where the pipe was and et cetera. So, okay, I didn't, yeah, that's amazing to me because I, uh, I was taking Frackleberry out, you know, and, and we, I, she likes to just chase snowballs and <laughs> catch snow and that sort of thing. And so I'll just throw snowballs just to run her. And every now and then they'll, they'll go into a snow hill and it'll explode or whatever and, and she'll just sit there and dig for 15 20 minutes and i know she's trying to get every single snowflake with my scent on it yes totally you know <laughs> i mean so it that's what got me thinking going i wonder how deep these dogs can go with some of this this scent because i i had a bloodhound before so i know their noses are amazing you know that sort of thing bloodhounds you got oh that's focus they have such focus issues your dogs are pretty focused the shepherds aren't they Honestly, the biggest uh, kind of funny joke I keep telling people is my dogs are ball junkies and I'm the ball <laughs> dealer. They are crazy <laughs> about what they do, and I'm just feeding the craziness, and they're working for me for it. So that's kind of where you get get that intensity, and you're just keen into that biological talent of theirs. A poochie pusher. Yeah, I was just going to say, she's the pusher. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm the ball dealer around here, and it's very apparent whenever the dogs are around me. How many different shale plays have you guys been in with canine pipe inspections? Um, we've worked everywhere from over in California um, and New Mexico, Texas. Honestly, wherever we get the phone calls, we go. Dogs are extremely mobile, and they're they're more ready to go than their human counterparts. So. <laughs> I'm almost wondering if there's gonna if if there's gonna be some sort of tax credit for canine pipe inspections in in the future for the ESG movement. As soon as they know? can figure out a way, I'm have, sure. Have, have we figured that out yet, Michaela? How to incorporate the public relations of involving dogs in with the science of involving dogs <laughs> in order to help get some tax credits or subsidization there because it seems to all go towards the robots. So it's going somewhere. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So um, long, long question. Do you guys, uh, uh, are you finding that companies are pretty receptive to the public relations of the dogs part? Leak detection is kind of an interesting industry because a lot of companies do not want to even express that this could be an occurrence, but 
we see a high value in ensuring that it isn't occurring. So, hey, we verified that it hasn't occurred in this line clean and has no breaches. Um, we're working on some projects, but I'd say tune in a little later in the year and ask me that question again while we work on a few things. Okay. But for now, a lot of things in the works, but we'll see where it goes. So what's going on with Chewy Paws? Let's transition over there a little bit. Uh, talk to us about you know the, the company, how it's going, how people can get some of the uh, antler chews and that sort of thing. And, and then also uh, some of the pros involved with, with these antlers, because I've done the research and, and I, you know, it is kind of a natural chew toy for a dog. Yeah. Hey, a different um, industry for sure. But because we're passionate about dogs and what we do, we found single ingredient natural chews. Dogs are crazy for them and <laughs> you don't have any of the artificial nylons, um, rubbers or anything that isn't digestible. And that's something that we brought in with our dogs and we're using. And pretty soon friends and family were saying, Hey, can you set us up with that? And it's gone there and just continued because it's such a simple product. It's a nature made shoe. How can people get those or talk about the different, uh, packages that you guys have and the different types oh, of yeah. antlers? Yeah. Yeah, we, we're one of the few companies that we actually offer a wide variety of species. We've got moose, caribou, elk, deer. Um, they're all on our website, just chewypaws.com. And we even offer bulk and subscription packages, which is pretty valuable to the consumer. And our prices are probably lower than most in the industry because we don't have a middleman. We're right up here. Um, we shed hunt on with our dogs as well. And we're right in antler country, so... I get a kick out of the um, the moose one. It's so soft that uh, Frackleberry eats it. She, I mean, within a week, it's gone. Oh, it, down to a nub. The elk, she can barely budge that thing. Uh, she always hauls it out when we're recording. Yeah, the, the deer, <laughs> the deer takes a little bit, but she, you know, she nubs that down pretty yeah. good after a while. The moose, though, is that is that a softer antler? It is. It's an interesting antler because the paddle is composed almost entirely of marrow. It doesn't have that hard, bony outer layer. But the base is probably the most durable and hard aspects of an antler compared to other species. Um, so it's very popular. Um, moose paddle chews, probably our number one product that I can hardly keep it in stock. I believe but like that. you're I saying with that. the elk, elk's really nice because it's got that great marrow to it but also has a durable outer edge. So it just it continues to be a chew that lasts a bit longer. Oh. You think about your price point too. Your dog may love eating that paddle, but if you want one that hangs around a little bit longer, it never loses its flavor or desire. So you got to chew that lasts a lot longer than a lot of others in the industry. Are you familiar with the term ants on a log or the peanut butter celery ants in a log you know what i'm talking about that's oh, one of my favorites okay. i do not actually where you, you you take a stick of celery and you put peanut butter in the in the groove and mm -hmm. then if you put raisins on it that's the ants right so gotcha what frackleberry hound does is just eats the marrow yeah so it's just basically looks like a stick of celery because it's just a <laughs> concave and then she leaves the rest i'm of the looking bone. at it right yeah. now actually and she has she's fairly well gutted it i guess for lack of a better word right just gutted it out and so anyway but uh 
Well, that's kind of hey, cool. It's all about that great marrow. That's yeah. all they want, and it just depends on how hard it is to get to that um, that great marrow core. She's such a diva. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love her. Okay. Well, you spoil her with these things. These are Damn great. right, man. <laughs> uh, okay, so how are the bees doing? Last time we spoke, the bees turned on you. Oh, sad, sad topic. My um, bees, they all died when we hit a, had a bad winter storm. This no. Fall. I lost my entire hive. Oh, yeah. no. Oh Super no! Sad. It was a it was a bad day. Are sure. are you going to re, uh, somehow reclaim or regenerate or do the bees again or is that just kind of a lesson learned deal? Uh, most likely, it was a very hard bee year, and what we're going to have is the expert regionally that runs a lot of bees. They're going to have them come and look at our hives so we can establish what went wrong, so we don't make the same mistake twice or. Maybe it wasn't a mistake. Maybe it was just a bad year. But you try your best with every creature you're taking care of. And we just want to investigate it. And we'll try again if we can remedy remedy whatever went wrong. You're not suspecting any of that uh, colony to just collapse. collapse disorder? It could have been. Um, we're, you know, this is just kind of a side side little hobby we had that we wanted to try out. Well, so right, we had, right expert tell us i don't know what went wrong if that was the case or um yeah. did they get a disease did they just abscond because the conditions simply were not something they desired that's um, what i've always wondered you know like when it comes to winter time you know north dakota is the number one honey producer in the nation okay so there's a lot of bees up here mm-hmm. and i always wonder in the winter time like what 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 do they do well they ship them down to texas and california to the almond almond fields so oh, these bees... They rent them out, don't yeah, they? Yeah, these bees are traveling more than you and I. Yeah. <laughs> they're, just, they're, they're road tripping it, you know? And, uh, oh, so, yeah. It's how you keep your, your profits going and those bees working nonstop. But I've, but I've often wondered about, you know, the the snow the, the year-round bees. Mm-hmm. Not the snowbird right, bees, yeah. but the year-round ones. The poor ones. sloughs that have to stay up here all year like us. Do they hibernate or do they, you know, do they go dormant or what? Like, you know, a tick, for example can go dormant for up to 17 years. I don't know enough about the life cycle. You know, an amphibian well, just kind of goes for the winter time, and then that's it. So yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, keep in mind, I'm a novice at this, so any professional beekeepers listening, please don't <laughs> cringe. But um, from what I understand is they're within their hive. They kind of group together, and they'll actually kind of – there's a term for it, but they're basically vibrating inside that hive to generate heat. Wow. to keep themselves all warm. Well, that makes um, sense. Yeah. And the biggest thing is to insulate your hives, which I hope I did successfully, but insulate them, but yet let that hive breathe enough so they don't get too much moisture in there. Sure. Um, and you just don't want them to freeze, but they're just going to stay within their hive. And in theory, they're supposed to be eating their own honey, but you supplement them with bee patties and um, what they need to continue on until spring. But they, they're alive, they're active, but within their hive, um, staying warm and making it through. Snakes And do there's that. a lot of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I believe that's a similar yeah. concept. Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm a novice. It was a hobbyist sort of thing for me. That's what, but, more, um, yeah, that's what most yeah. North Dakotans do. It's pretty common in construction, actually. <laughs> um, when, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, six months out of the year. <laughs> construction, they'll, they'll like, you know, build, make a road, and then they'll come across these snake burrows or these mm-hmm. snake, you know, balls, that sort of thing. Enclaves, I think Enclaves. they're called, yeah. 
And I don't know what they're called in the B world, but uh, the vibrating, I get that. So I always wondered because I'm like, there's no way bees fly south. No, there's no way. And they I didn't fly think they south. just died off and then were you know they're not new, hitchhiking. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, well, um, so who is who is your customer when it comes to the canine? You know, pipe inspections. Is it the operators? The pipeline? You know, construction company? Yeah, who calls it, you first? You know, who who is it that would you know? Is it the landowner? You know, who's your customer? I guess it's very interesting because we get calls from all different walks. So we might get called from the engineer. We may get called from the midstream company. We might get con- called by the construction company. And when it comes to marketing <clears throat> and targeting who to, I guess, make our service known to, it's interesting how wide um, that is with who actually calls for our services. But mostly midstream, of course, um, are seeking what we do. Yeah, so they're out there looking for you. Yes, what yeah. we found is our services are mostly reactive, um, huh. problems known, and then we get called. We're getting a lot more proactive phone calls coming into 2021 compared to other years, which is really interesting and yeah. exciting for us. But typically, it's reactive, and honestly, usually they have been chasing the leak. They've used another service, or they've been cutting that line down. And the sad part is, is usually these companies spent weeks getting isolated down to a mile or two. And they're very proud that they did until they see our services and we're like, hey, man, like we could have actually run <laughs> the whole 12 miles, done it in the same amount, you know, done it in a day, run it through. Should have called you first. And saved you two, three weeks. Yeah. Because that's rather anticlimactic when you run the dogs. They're as, fat or as slow as the dumb end of the leash, the handlers. They run through, they hit it, and we go, okay, here we go. And then it's kind of over. Um, <laughs> everyone thinks it's a big shebang, but it's quick, fast, and they usually pothole down. And honestly, we've been fortunate. Our dogs have always been just, I wouldn't say fortunate, it's what they do, but we each back down, and we're like, oh, there's the leak. Mystery Is- done, and then that's it. <laughs> Is there any uh, climate that they might not necessarily be able to smell in. And I don't even know if that's a real thing or not, but I know, you know, I'm thinking of the desert, a lot more sand and, you know, kind of dry dirt. And then you get up into the the Bakken, you got some rock, that sort of thing down to the Tuscaloosa down in Alabama. Alabama. It's more of a clay mud, you know, type of a thing. Does that matter at all or not? We just have to evaluate the amount of time that we give that line to get the vapor to the surface. So if you got that dense clay, um, you, you're working with caliche, whatever those conditions, just making sure the dogs are set up for success so what's, that vapor can get up there for them. What's caliche? Boy, you got to ask everyone down in West Texas. It's um, the soil conditions they have down there. I've never heard that, that term. Area. I'm not familiar with that. Sounds like a pretty good drink, though. Caliche. Caliche on the rocks. <laughs> An interesting name. Yeah. Well, I like I like the name Horchata, and I love the drink. That's so good. And so. Well, I was just thinking up here. I mean, it's at least in the Fargo-Moorhead area, it's just total clay. Yeah. You know? I mean, just it's it's solid. I wonder how easy it would be for that. You know? So it makes me think of the Tuscaloosa yeah. down in down yeah. in Mississippi and Alabama because it's, it's um, just solid. Same thing. It's just, just solid. 
Well, it's hard to actually grow yeah. crops because it's so the roots can't. Oh, I've establish. got a ten-year-old tree that looks like I planted it last year. Oh, this is awful. <laughs> okay, so um, training. How long does it take to train these guys, these dogs? Boy, it actually really it's like students. It depends on <laughs> the dog. Um, I'm sure it's an ongoing education all the time. It is. Yeah. Um, I put several weeks on a dog before. It really just depends on how they how they fast they take to the training. And I will say our most senior dogs on the team, our most valuable asset. Um, nothing beats that continual training and that continual development. It's like working out at the gym. If you're just bench pressing, that doesn't mean you're fit and, I guess, strong. If you are exercising all parts of your body as a whole, that's where like that true strength comes from. And it isn't just putting our dogs on odor. It's developing those dogs as a whole. Um, and I feel like it's an overall stronger dog. But I'd say like a solid four to five weeks on a dog um, if they've got the right genetics, drive, and predisposition for it. And maturity, of course. Um, it's a little different between five months old versus 15 months old. Going to Texas next week, you got any advice for me when it comes to the dog? I mean, uh, uh, the hotel I normally stay at, they don't have my room. So uh, next door to the hotel is one of those floodways where it's just all grass. And it's like a football field of grass. So I take my dog out and she can run in the morning. Everywhere else, it's just pokes and pricks and oh man it's so hard down there in the permian <laughs> are you finding any any luck down there to bring your dog down in the down in that desert down in the permian honestly when i first heard that part of the question i was going to give you the human the advice and say you should bring a parka and a tank top when you go down to texas <laughs> so you're ready to go and um as for the dogs I'm a big proponent of getting booties on them because the thorns and the biteys and the stingies and everything that's down there um, I put booties on my dogs, and I also inspect them quite a bit because even if they aren't showing signs of it, we found thorns in our dogs and whatnot. And I've met your dog. She's pretty driven. She loves to go out and about. She could have um, thorns and whatnot and not show it. So just inspect your dog and yeah. check them out. But, oh, yeah, they... booties. I'd invest in some nice booties. I can get you a link for um, oh. good company I work with that they actually stay on. And check those feet. And your dogs are okay with them, huh? Yeah. Um, you just got to condition them to it. And oh, okay. Another thing. All right. <laughs> More work. I think your dog would be just fine. It'd be no big deal. I might just go drive to that patch of grass where the homeless guy sleeps on the on, on the on the mattress. Well, he's cool. You leave him alone. He's fine. He's found all the prickly things already for well, you. It's so. funny because you got three feet of grass, and then all of a sudden there's like this just patch of nothing oh there's a mattress there okay, oh, okay. someone yeah. sleeps there at night i got it hard okay. to get away with up here oh yeah so what's next are you are you got any uh, trips in the near future here are you looking anything uh that you would like to fill on your schedule well um our schedule has kind of got pushed back after that big texas freeze mm -hmm. some dates got pushed back so we're kind of expecting we're going to head into spring and um everyone's going to be calling us at the same time so <laughs> we're kind of anticipating when uh everyone's recovered from the big freeze down south that's where we get the bulk of our phone calls down mm -hmm. in the permian and those phone calls are all coming back now that everyone's kind of organized after um everything that went down a few weeks ago 
Do you, uh, do you do much in the Bakken at all? Honestly, the Bakken has been interesting with its interest. It's been quiet ever since this legislation has occurred. Um, what I've, just in my opinion, is a lot of operators are just waiting to see what happens. So it's been quiet up north for us so far. Hmm. But we'll see how the political climate goes um, for our future up north. Okay. I'm just curious, yeah, because um, I'd be, well, with the protests there and everything, I, I would just think that, um, you know, bringing in a dog and some of the human elements would be, you know, advantageous for for some of the public relations and everything. Good icebreakers, I, yeah. I'd still like to get you to the Bakken Barbecue to do a demonstration. You know, next year, actually, is First oh, Responders. Well, we should do it because I'm gonna. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'm interviewing Jackie Jenkins and Tiffany Steiner on Friday for our program, and I'll talk to them either on the air or off the air. Probably off the air. I don't want to. I don't want to gang bum rush them. Is that still a term? I think that's still a term. Okay. The, the the bums don't have a lobby, so they can't. That's not derogatory. There's no bums, them. and if there were, we wouldn't okay. make them rush. So uh, the, the well, because nobody cares about the gangs, right? right. Gang rush. All right. Um, them but i i think it'd be great because if our sponsor or i'm sorry our theme is going to be first responders boy it would make sense to have the canine yeah it is so we're going to have all kinds of first responders there being honored all night long so it almost makes sense to have canine pipe inspections there doing a doing a uh kind of a demonstration if you will so maybe that'd be great we'll see if we can get that done yeah, I'll get in touch with you. Um, what, what do we afterwards. need? Some uh, PVC yeah. pipe from Home Depot and about a yard of dirt? What are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what they're willing to work with. Um, if we can just put it right in the ground and they will do kind of like a little double blind. I don't know what that means, but okay. That Sounds good, though. That the handler means I wouldn't know where it's at and um, someone else did it. Will there be blindfolds? <laughs> No blindfold necessary, but as long as the dog and I don't know where it is, um, so the, the authentic work. The, I'm picturing in my mind we got the face pa- face painting station, okay, because they have face painting there, right? And then we've got the big bouncy jump castles because we got those. Gotta there. have those. And oh, then yeah. and then we always have the guy with the gun. There's always <laughs> a guy that's teaching kids how to shoot a BB gun. It's so funny. Oh, right. I love it. It is just so That's Western, the Bakken for North you, man. Dakota, baby. Yep. And then now we'll get the pipeline sniffing dog out there. That's it's perfect. Be, I'm, hey, I'm bringing potatoes this year. We're going we're gonna to offer a vegetarian offering at the Bakken barbecue this year. Potatoes. We're, oh, we're working out a deal. RDO, RDO, who supplies potatoes for McDonald's. Right. Last year, they just, it, it, it was too quick, and it was this and that, but they said, next year, absolutely. So we're working with them this year, and they're going to donate potatoes, and we're going to do baked potatoes. Sweet. So we'll have a booth just to offer baked potatoes. If with somebody, all the fixings? Uh, yeah, well, no, okay. the fixings is everywhere else. Okay. Yeah, we're going to, are you kidding? We'll figure something <laughs> out. But, so we're having all kinds of fun this year at the First Responders Bach and Barbecue. It's the ninth annual, so, uh, and we'll get the dogs there. And let's see, what else do we got? Uh, anything we left out today? Michaela Hager of Canine Pipe Inspections and Chewy Paws. Hey, I think we kind of covered it right down to my little bee hobby. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the Bakken Barbecue because that was an awesome event. Went last year, was a little unplanned just because I know dates were changing with a lot of events, but everyone's kicking up this year. That was such and a we're weird. Hoping, 
Yeah, it's such a weird year. Well, last year was weird because, remember, at that time, nobody was going out. And then all of a sudden, this big barbecue happened. And then all, and then a couple months later, North Dakota went into their big COVID time. Yeah. So then no one was going out. And we, you know, we got lucky because we kind of missed that blip, you know, um, a little bit. We were very overprotective about that event. So, but um, <laughs> anywho, so, okay, websites one more time. Both the websites, please. Yeah, you bet. You can find us at caninepipeinspections.com. That's spelled the letter K, number nine, pipeinspections.com. And if you're interested in antler dog chews, it's called chewypaws.com. Uh, there's a Z on the paws, not an S. Chewypaws.com. Those are our two sites. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Back to the way. Jason Space. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Speece, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Speece. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> the Crude Life with host Jason Speece. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk about Women's History Month. Every March since 1987, Congress and U.S. presidents have designated this month as Women's History Month. 
This year, the Crude Life celebrates and honors their accomplishments and vital contributions in history with interviews and stories that center around women's experiences in industry. These women are not only modern day leaders, but they are truly historic as well. This is Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge. We have already seen in the first couple of weeks uh, of President Biden's administration that this is Obama Biden 2.0 plus. And the rate at which we've seen the executive orders flying off the president's desk is taking America back, taking jobs back and putting us in a detrimental position. But as the attorneys general for a number of states, we are pushing back uh, already with the Keystone Pipeline, the cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline that President Biden signed on day one. We joined together. There were over a dozen attorneys general led by the Montana AG, Austin Knutson, who sent a letter to President Biden uh, pushing back against his cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline. The cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline took away American jobs. It can take away energy independence for America, and it takes away money from Americans' pocketbooks because it will cost more. Uh, President Biden claims that uh, not to worry for those pipeliners who worked on the Keystone Pipeline because they would have jobs in the Green New Deal and under the green new jobs. That's nothing more than a hope and a prayer. And American workers and the pipeliners from Arkansas that I've talked to, they were ready, prepared, and at work on the Keystone Pipeline, which again provides energy independence and low-cost energy for all Americans. Well, again, I've talked to a number of individuals, uh, pipeliners who were working on the Keystone Pipeline or who were set to go work on the Keystone Pipeline. But Joe Biden's decision to cancel it cancel their job and their opportunity to make money. It's also going to impact uh, the ancillary businesses around those areas. To listen to the full-length interview with Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Please join us all month long as we celebrate Women's History Month here at The Crude Life. From the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry it's a way of life the crude life is sponsored in part by it takes an industry to build a forest hey folks jason spies with the crude life did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year lack of watering transplant shock special interest groups poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest and that is exactly what the industrial forest does sustainability sheds critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come it takes an industry to build a forest if you're interested in sustainable forests growing industry jobs check out the industrialforest.com that's the industrialforest.com the music heard on the crude life morning show play hard work hard is by the moody river band interested in becoming a sponsor email studio at thecrudelife.com